0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Year of Fulfillment, Part 8. Enjoy. Let's join our hearts together and let's receive from the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, here we are. We left our homes and we came here this morning to this public place. And Lord, we did it because we believe you love us. We believe that you are who you say you are. We believe that uh, you are taking us higher. And we know, Jesus, you declared that you came so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And help us, Holy Spirit, to experience that abundant life this morning. Illuminate our hearts that we would see more of Christ this morning, that we would realize how much you love us, how high and wide and deep is, is the expanse of your love for us and that we would realize how good you are and the prosperous plan you have for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 2017 is the year of fulfillment. That's what we're talking about at Highway Church, and this is last week in February. Does that seem possible? Last Sunday in February. And we're excited. We've seen God do some things already. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But boy, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. And we want to encourage you. If there were things you were hoping happen in 2016, don't stop. Right? God's not limited to that little thing we carry around called a calendar, right? He's limitless. It just takes him a moment. Stay with the promises of God. Don't quit because he loves you so much. He'll see you all the way through if you'll just trust him. He'll see you all the way through. If you'll just trust him. So it is the year of, the, of fulfillment, and we're living the dream in 2017. I had a fun time at Max's house on Friday with the get-togethers and Ed and Sue, and we talked about living the dream in 2017. And whether you realize it or not, God has a dream for your life. Just like every good father, God desires wholeness, prosperity, and fulfillment for his children. And any good father would desire that for his kids, right? Automatically. No one even has to tell a dad to desire that, right? The moment you have a child, you desire wholeness for that child, wholeness, prosperity, and fulfillment. How much more so does God our Father desire that for us? John 10.10, let's put that baby up there. John 10.10. I love this. This is straight from, from the mouth of God. He said, the thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy. Who's a thief? Satan, right? And all the spirits of darkness, they're trying to steal, kill, and destroy you, but you're not going to let them do it, are you? Right? Because we're following Christ. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Boy, as I'm reading that, I think back to my life before I read this and how the Satan stole from me. He confused me. He almost destroyed me. I'm so glad that God opened my eyes to his amazing love. When I began to read this and put my faith in it back in 1989, the enemy's plans began to be silenced in my life. And the stronger you get in God's love for you, the less Satan will be able to do in your life. I mean, his hold on your life will get weaker and weaker and weaker as you grab a hold of the reality of Christ. See, Satan can't do what he wants to do in your life if you'll just trust in Christ right? But we do have to trust him, right? We've got to resist the devil, right? We don't give in to doubts and fears and worries and anxiety and stress and depression. We say, no, you have no place in my life. I belong to Christ now. Amen. I like the message translation. Let's put that up there. Yeah, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Seem too good to be true? It's not. Right? More and better life. That's what Christ came. I came to give you more and better life than you ever dreamed of. And that's why we started this church because we want everybody to know it. So we're meeting here every Sunday and we're proclaiming it. And this message is going out on the Internet to anyone who wants to hear it. All right. So God is so good. Now, God's grace is the dream fulfiller. God's grace is the the, um, agent is what enables God's dream to be fulfilled in our lives. His grace consists of all that he's done for us in Christ, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. It consists of his unmerited favor. It consists of his resurrection power. His grace finishes the unfinished areas of our life. His grace fulfills the unfulfilled areas of our life. So we're not relying on our own strength in 2017. We're letting him... Be our strength, right? We're letting Christ be the strength of our lives. Now, last week, we finished up talking about two things that I want to I go deeper on. One, we talked about the knowledge of good and evil. Do you remember that with Adam and Eve? And then we talked about the knowledge of God in 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to compare those two things. I want to look at the knowledge of God. That's where we're going to start today. And if we have time, we'll get into the knowledge of good and evil because they're very different. The knowledge of God reveals to us who He really is, okay? The knowledge of God reveals to us who He is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him, okay? And you find that knowledge revealed to us in the promises in the Bible, like John 10.10, right? Life and life abundantly. That's what He came for. That's what belongs to me now, okay? That's a promise from God. So we want to The knowledge of God is what gives us strength to live the life that God has for us, all right? The knowledge of good and evil is the knowledge that comes by the senses. It's the the wisdom of this world, and that won't set you free. That'll just keep you going in circles. It'll frustrate you. But we want you to to experience and, and, and be filled up with the knowledge of God, who he really is, what he's done for you, And who you are in Christ. Okay? So let's take a look at this. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is so good. This has become one of my favorite places in the scripture 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, because it it really gives us the key to experiencing this abundant life. It's through faith in God's promises. Now, we read about Adam and Eve uh, last Sunday, and they made decisions based on not the knowledge of God, but on the knowledge of good and evil. And God has given us the opportunity to be free from their mistake, okay? (laughs) To be free from sin and make decisions not based on the knowledge of good and evil, but based on the knowledge of Him, all right? That's where the life is at. That's where strength is. We're making our decisions based on who he is, okay? Not on what other people say. Not on what's happened to us in the past. Not on what might be going on right now in our life. We're making our decisions. We're building the foundation of our life on who he is, okay? So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Oh, now, you, if, if this is your first time here, if it's your first time here, just wave your hand in the air. All right, all right. Well, listen, we're glad you guys are here. Awesome. How are you doing? Now, we we encourage everyone to take their religious goggles off when they come in the door, okay? Just leave them there, and, and don't even pick them up when you leave. You don't need them, okay? We want you to see God as he is. And the reason I say that is this first word says grace, all right? And religion has watered down this word. So it's just like it's a nice thing to say to somebody, you know? It's just a nice sentiment. Grace is very powerful. It's grace that raised Christ from the dead all right? There's an acronym that says, G-R-A-C-E, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's infinitely more than a nice thing to say. And I say that because Peter is, is exhorting them. He's empowering them. He's not just saying, hi, how are you? Are you having a nice day? No, he says, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's unmerited favor, the resurrection power of God. And here's another word you got to take your goggles off for and peace. What does that word mean? Well, in the Greek, it's irene, and it became used by the Jews as the Greek equivalent of shalom. What does it mean? Wholeness, prosperity. So he's saying God's riches at Christ's expense, God's unmerited favor the resurrection power of God and wholeness and prosperity be multiplied to you. It's a lot different when you understand what he's saying, isn't it? This is not a Hallmark greeting. This is an empowering word, okay? Be multiplied to you, how? In the knowledge of God. That's what we're talking about. The knowledge of God. And of Jesus our Lord, not the knowledge of your mistakes, not the knowledge of man's religion, the knowledge of him, all right? And of Jesus our Lord. So according to what we just read, the knowledge of God causes God's favor, God's power, God's well-being, God's wholeness, God's prosperity to be multiplied in my life. What does multiply mean? Increase rapidly. The knowledge of God causes his favor, power, wholeness, prosperity to increase rapidly in my life. It causes it to become more numerous, to accumulate, to burgeon, to mount up, to mushroom, to snowball, and to flourish. So if it's not flourishing in my life, I'm just missing some knowledge of who he is. Once I get a hold of the knowledge of who he is and what he's done for me and who I am in him, it begins to snowball. It begins to increase rapidly in our lives. Okay? Verse 3, seeing. Now, how are we going to see this? Can't see it with these. It's with the eyes of our heart, right? It's by faith, right? Faith is being sure of what we don't see with our natural eyes, with our heart seeing that His divine power, all right, has granted to us. It's already done. Amen. What has God's divine power granted to us? Good question. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. So now we're understanding that the knowledge of God includes everything, Pertaining to life and godliness. What about death and confusion? Does it include that? No. That's not not, uh, pertaining to life and godliness, is it? Death, confusion, depression, anxiety, is that included in what God's provided for us? No. He's provided the answer for those things, right? Everything pertaining to life and godliness, how? Here it is again. Through the true knowledge of Him. Right, the true knowledge of God. Now, let's pause there for a moment. So, the true knowledge of God includes everything pertaining to life and godliness. Uh oh! Now, I didn't hear that in some of the churches that I went to in my life. In fact, I heard some things like this: as someone, some people would say, "Well, yeah, okay, through Christ, you're basically forgiven of your sins." But as far as being healed, I mean, physically healed, that's really not for us, you know. Is that the true knowledge of God? Why? How do I know that? Because it includes everything pertaining to life and godliness. This now helps me to, to, to interpret what people say. Right, if someone comes to me and tells me it's God's will for you to be sick, I know that's not the true knowledge of God. Why? Why? Because the true knowledge of God includes everything pertaining to life and godliness. You see that? Right? So his promises are our standard, not what man says. Okay? Now, I like this. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. What's godliness mean? Like God. <gasps> are we allowed to say that in church? Yeah, he made us in his image. God desires us to be like him. There are churches that, oh, you can't say that. Why? It's the truth. God has never been insecure. He is not the least bit concerned about someone stealing his throne. It can't have. No one can challenge him. He knows that. That'd be kind of like me being concerned that a two-year-old is going to beat me up. Right? <laughs> that never enters my mind when I'm around a little one. I'm just thinking of the fun we can have together, right? God is not concerned. He's not insecure about who he is. And when you're secure about who you are, you can have fun, right? God wants you to be secure in him. He wants you to be like him. And guess what? When you were born again, you were recreated in his image. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So godliness, let me ask you a question. Is God sick? Well, wait a minute. Have you ever visited him? How do you know that? Why'd you say no so quickly? Well, well, because it's true. He's not, right? But we just kind of inherently know he must not be sick, right? Because he's not. He's God, right? So if he's not sick, then we certainly know that, that what he's provided for us is health. Sickness is not from him, right? It's not a part of godliness. He didn't create sickness. You know that? You can find out what God created in Genesis chapter 1. in the six days of what he did. And if he created sickness, what day did he do it on? Have you ever read through Genesis chapter 1? You find me what day he created it on. You won't find it in there because he didn't make it. It's not of him. It came from the curse of sin, right? It's not from him. So godliness, he didn't create sickness. And let me ask you a question. Is God poor? How do we automatically know that? Well, because he's God, right? You look in Genesis chapter 1, you'll see he didn't create poverty. He gave man an overwhelming abundance of resources. We haven't even begun to tap them yet, regardless of what people say. Now, okay, can I I startle you a little bit? Now, you may as well take your political goggles off too when you come, because I'm not political, okay? I want Jesus, I thank God for everybody, no matter where they're from or what they believe, but I want Jesus more than I want a political party, okay? The political party cannot save you, cannot heal you, cannot set you free. It's Jesus, okay? I want to show you how the enemy works. Fear. We're talking about godliness, okay? Did God make sickness? No, he did not. Did God make poverty? No, he did not. Okay, those things came after the fall. That's when they came. After Adam gave the authority of the earth to Satan, and Satan became the god of this world, okay? It's important to understand that. So I remember hearing about this. I don't know when I first heard about it, but people started talking about the, the earth is, is getting hot because of man, because of all the cars and exhausts and factories. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And then I I remember talking with a relative of mine. He said, You know what's funny? Back in the 70s on Time magazine, they had a cover of the earth freezing. And the scare back then was the earth is freezing. So they couldn't make up their mind is the earth freezing or is the earth getting hotter? So they called it global warming for a while. They said, Oh, wait a minute, maybe we better change it called climate change. Let me share something with you. This is not political. I'm talking about godliness. Okay? You know when climate change began? When Adam fell. (laughs) <laughs> this earth is not what God created it to be. When the curse of sin hit this earth, everything changed. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Are you guys with me? We're not being political here. I'm just talking about godliness, okay? But you, the world will get you into a tizzy and a fear about something that isn't even true. Now, I found it interesting as I got older and I, you know, met different people from different walks of life and, and uh, thermophysicists and different people and went well, gone to different schools. I found out that there are scientists who studied this thing out. Uh, there are different groups of scientists. And there's, there's, there are many groups, many scientists in this, this group that don't agree with this whole climate change thing. And they said the earth has been going through heating and cooling cycles every, about every 500 years for thousands of years. And it had nothing to do with factories. But you know what happened? They were silenced. And some of them got kicked out of their universities. They got silenced because there's no money in that thinking. Fear generates income for people. If the devil can make you afraid, he can get you to buy into things. Don't buy into that. The world is falling apart. And it's not because of our exhausts coming out of our car. It's because of the curse of sin. But God's going to make a new one. All right? I'm just a little, we just took a little park, we parked a car for a little bit there. Is that all right? I'm saying that because there are a lot of fears in the world. People are upset about so many things because they haven't listened to the one who made them. They're listening to the news stories and political parties and -and so-and-so said this. Don't do it. Stay with Jesus. Okay? Stay with Jesus. All right, let's keep going. So we're back in verse 3 here. The true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So this is a personal thing to God, isn't it? He loves us that much, so he gave himself. He gave his own glory and excellence. Verse 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why? So that by them, by his promises, what would happen? You may become partakers, you may share in and participate in the divine nature. Whose nature is the divine nature? God's nature. God wants you to share in, participate, and experience his nature. Wow. When? Today. Now. This very moment. All you got to do is put your faith in him. Isn't that amazing? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, we've escaped it. We're free from the bondage of the world. Right? Hallelujah! So this knowledge of God that we're talking about—it's not well. It's—it's it's not based on um, ideas of man or doctrines of man or man's religion. It's not based on the news stories of the day. It's based on who Jesus really is, okay? So this knowledge of God is based on God's promises. And that's good because nothing can change that. Nothing can shake that. And I like the word promise. You know what the word promise means? This is very powerful. It comes from the Latin prometere. I'm not sure how to say it. But it means to put forth or to send forward. In other words, when God gives you a promise, he is putting himself forth in your life. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what I want to do in your life. Every promise is God putting himself forward, is God sending himself into your life. For example, Psalm 107 verse uh, 20, this is a great example of promise. God sending forth who he is in our lives. It says, he sent his Word and healed them. God wants to do that in your life. He sent his Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So when God gives us his Word or his promise, it's himself. He's giving us himself, okay? Hallelujah. Now, all right, so this knowledge that we live by, this knowledge of God It actually comes into our life by hearing the promises of God. You have to hear them. Listen, one of the best ways to hear them is to say them yourself. Read them to yourself regularly. I came that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. You need to hear yourself saying that because Jesus came for that reason. So let yourself hear yourself say the truth about why Jesus came, right? So they come by hearing, but not only hearing, but believing them. Believing what? That they're true for you right now. Not someday in the future, right now. See, this is where religion can't go. We're now, we're now Jesus people. We're new creations now. We're the righteousness of God now. We're delivered from Satan now. We're strong in the Lord and in his mighty power now. Satan will tell you, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're a scaredy cat. No, you're not. You're this, you're that. Don't listen to him. Declare who you are with your own mouth. So we've got to hear these promises. That's why coming here is so important because you're going to hear promise after promise after promise after promise. I wish it was like that in every church, but it's not. I pray that that changes daily. I pray that every day that changes, right? But that's why we started this place so people could have a public place to come where they can hear the true knowledge of God, the promises of God. Not my religious ideas, not political ideas, but the true knowledge of who he is. Hebrews 11:1, I like how it says it in the NIV it says this, "Now faith is it's a present tense reality, right? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If I'm not sure and certain, it's not faith. How do I get to the point where I'm sure and certain? I keep listening to the promises over and over and over and over again. You know, some people I recommend listening to, Joseph Prince, great teacher of the Word, Andrew Womack, You know, and they just they teach the promises of God, the grace of God, excellent stuff, and you just keep listening to it over and over and over again, and you begin saying them over and over again. All right. Now notice it says certain of what we do not see. That means with your physical eyes, right? So there's a realm beyond our senses. It's the spirit realm. So the knowledge of God takes us beyond the physical realm. It lifts us up into the reality of the spirit realm. The spirit realm is where the life and power is. All right? And that's what faith in the promises of God does. It lifts us up beyond the senses into the realm of the spirit. And this is where healing is. This is where where prosperity is. This is where peace and joy are. This is where wisdom are, okay, in wisdom is in the, in the realm of the Spirit. Let me give you an example of taking the promises of God, believing they're true for me now, and how it takes us into a new dimension of life. Let's go to John three sixteen. How are we doing? We doing okay? Everybody still awake? Hallelujah. All right, let's go to John 3.16. Oh, man, this is a life changer right here. You don't have your religious goggles on, do you? Okay. For God so loved the world. So right away, I'm seeing that God loves everybody, no matter what political party they're in, right? No matter what nation they come from, no matter what, what they've done, he loves everybody. So we love everybody, Right? We don't get mad at other people and yell at them because they're of, of a certain nation, or a certain party, right? We love everybody just like God does. So God so loved the world, what did he do about it? He gave everything he could give. He gave his one and only son. So this is, this is powerful. That whoever believes, so God does not discriminate, right? There's no place for racism in the body of Christ, Right? If I look down on another human being because they're, whatever, different than me from a different nation or a different skin color, guess what? I'm looking down on God because we were made in His image. Hello. Right? So He loves everybody and He's available to everybody. All they have to do is believe that. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what I do, I've just read that. Now I'm going to choose to believe that that's true for me now. And that changes my whole life. I choose to believe that God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, that's me now, in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So now I have eternal life. First John says that. He said, I'm writing this to you so you may know that you have eternal life. You're not going to have eternal life. You have it now. I believe that's true for me now. And the more you do this, you start digging deeper, and you go to John 17, 3, you you find out that eternal life means knowing God. It means a relationship with God like a husband has with his wife. So I've I've received God's love for me. I believe that he gave Jesus for me, and that I have an intimacy with him now. I have a union with him now that nothing can take away. I'm in a whole different place now. You see how that works? Because I've chosen to believe that that's true for me now. What about you? Is that true for you now? I highly encourage you if, if you, if you haven't done it yet, do it right now. Grab a hold of this promise for you. It will change your life forever. Let's read another one. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed, that's past tense, isn't it? If it wasn't, it would say Christ is going to redeem us. That's sometimes how how... how People teach it in church, but it's not true. Christ already redeemed us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Wow. I'm believing this is true for me now. How about you? For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Who did that? Jesus, right? So I believe now, we're talking about the knowledge of God, believing that it's true for me now. I believe that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law now. It's done. And I believe that that right now I am completely redeemed from the curse of sin. Do you believe that? If not, you should. It'll change your life. Let's read another one. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. This whole thing has rocked the the religious world for centuries, millennia. For it is by grace what is that god's riches at christ's expense it is by god's unmerited favor it's by god's resurrection power that you have been saved through faith so notice it's past tense again right it's already been done and this is not from yourselves i couldn't have come up with a plan like this it is the gift of god right it's the gift of god and what if i i, I wanted to what if what if someone gave me a gift and say, here's a, we got you this new car. We just wanted to bless you with it. And I say, wow, that's great. Thank you so much. And they say, but, but you have a $1,500 payment a month. So, oh, okay. <laughs> it's not a gift, right? Well, people sometimes think of God that way. He gave us a gift of salvation. There's no, there's no monthly payment. There's no lease on it. It's yours. Isn't that wonderful? There's no, there's no uh, you know, clause or addendums to it. It's yours through simple faith in Christ, all right? So by grace, we've been saved. So now I believe that's true of me, even if I don't feel saved. Have you ever not felt like, you know, I don't feel like a child of God. I don't feel saved. i felt like that. Sometimes I think, boy, I don't know if I know anything about God, you know? <laughs> Just a feeling, but that's all it is, See, our knowledge of God is not based on the way we feel. Our salvation's not based on the way we feel. What's it based on? Who He is and what He's done for us. And that sets me free. So no matter how I feel, I'm saved. Right? I'm saved all the time because it's based on who He is and what He's done, not how I feel. Same thing's true with healing. There are times you may not feel healed. Jennifer wasn't feeling well. Last night, she rested this morning. She said, okay, you stay and rest. You're the healed of God, That's not who she is. She is the healed of God. And we're not going to allow that thing to operate in our lives. We gave it an eviction notice. Out you go. Out you go. Amen. Hallelujah. So this this is powerful because it takes us beyond the realm of the senses. It takes us beyond religion. And religious people could get real upset about this good news message, this gospel message. There's an example. Let's see. We have, yeah, we have time. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. So, Paul and Silas, now, Saul, you know who Paul was. He formerly was known as Saul. He was a persecutor of the church, right? He didn't like this Ephesians 2 8 and 9 message, this salvation by faith in Christ. Uh, but, but, but something happened. Christ appeared to him, right? And he came to know that Jesus is the Messiah. And he began preaching this message that we're preaching this morning. But there are religious people that get mad at this message. Are you telling me that anyone can be saved through simple faith? Yes. But what about if they did this? Doesn't matter. What about if they did that? Doesn't matter. The grace of God is stronger. Everybody qualifies because Jesus has provided the justification for the world. So without reservation, I can meet anyone from anywhere at any time and tell you God's salvation has been provided for you. All you've got to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive it, right? So sometimes religious folks start throwing a fit about all this stuff. But look what happened to Paul. And This is, this is, this is what the religious people were saying. Um, you know what? Do we have verse 6 up there, guys? Just for time's sake, can we jump? Well, let's see. Okay, let's read verse 1. We'll, we'll try to get it in. Uh, do we have verses 1 through 60? They're all at the end of the presentation. you see that? Okay. Now, when they had passed through um, Ampa-Humpa, Upa and oompa apollonia they came to Thessalonica, and where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Okay, let's read verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom one he went into, the, into them, and for three Sabbaths, okay, three Saturdays, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ. So he reasoned with them on, at, their, at their regular meeting in the synagogue, we'd call it our, our church. Some of them were persuaded and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So people were believing this good news message. And look what happened. But the Jews were not persuaded. They're talking about the religious folks Becoming envious, they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob. Well, we're seeing some of that today, aren't we? We're seeing mobs gathering. Don't you think for a minute that automatically is happening? There are people trying to destroy one another through anger and hatred. That's not us. We're not part of mobs. Listen, if we want to stand up for what we believe, we do, but we do it in love not by burning things and tearing things apart. That's not godliness. And gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house. Why would they do this? Paul's telling them that salvation's come by faith. What's wrong with that picture? Nothing. That's good news, isn't it? Because now people don't have to go through their religious system. They're going to lose money on this message. Now anybody can be saved. Right? This is for the whole world. What do you mean? So you don't have to come to my church now and do everything I tell you? Uh Uh-uh, I ain't having that. You want to be saved? You got to come through my system. No. This is for everybody, anywhere, no matter where you're from. So they get all mad. They start ripping things apart in the city, and they bring them out to the people. Verse 6. And look what they say about them. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, this would have been, you know, the head news line. Here's a news headline. These who've turned the world upside down have come here too. You can see that on the internet, right? And a lot of people click on that, what? Oh, let me click on that and read that. No, I don't want to hear that news. That's, that's not real. They didn't turn the world up. Well, the world was already upside down. What they're trying to do is turn it right side up again, right? In other words, they're saying they're giving us a message that's so different that's different than anything we've ever heard before, and we want to stop them, right? Well, we have that message, that, that salvation belongs to you through Christ and through simple faith, okay? All right? I hope you're not getting upset. I'm not trying to get political here. We're talking about Jesus, okay? And you got to be wise because the world gets mad and they're just confused, and you can't be a part of that. You got to go higher. Go higher, All right? But what's interesting about this, we don't have time to keep reading, but it talks about those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And the reason why is they didn't, they didn't throw a riot when, when Paul and Silas came. They studied the Scriptures. What a great idea. huh? Someone comes with a message you haven't heard about, don't get mad and upset. Go to Jesus. Study the ministry of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. See if this message lines up with the character and person of Christ, okay? All right, let's go to verse 10. We're doing all right? God is good. He loves you so much. Hallelujah. Receive his love for you this morning. So the brethren immediately sends Paul and Silas away by night unto Berea, who coming, uh, let's see, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So they do the same thing they did in Thessalonica. Those, oh, there we go. All right, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So they wanted to know more about God, right? They weren't crab apples, right? They said, okay, we're listening, we're listening, teach us. And they searched the scriptures daily. That takes effort on their part, doesn't it? They made it a priority to know God, all right? And then we have that same priority, whether those things were so. Therefore, guess what? They found out it was true, (laughs) Many of them believed, also honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. So they studied the cre- the, the scriptures, and they said, "Wait a minute! What this guy's telling us is true," and they put their faith in Christ. Isn't that powerful? Let's jump to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, "Of a truth, I perceive that God is what? No respecter of persons. What does that mean?" There's no racism in heaven, right? God, respe- now when it says no respect, it doesn't mean it doesn't respect anyone. That's the King James way of saying that, that this is available to everybody, okay? God's salvation is available to everyone, all right? And that, that, can, be, that can get some people upset, right? Again, because they're, they're committed to their system, their way of doing things, and they want everyone to do it their way. And if, if they don't do it their way, they want to fight about it. That's not us. All right, we, have, we preach Christ. All right, let's see, verse 12. Therefore, many of them believe, oh, we already read that. Let's go to verse 34, I'm sorry. Verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God's no respecter of persons. Verse 35, but in every nation, he that feareth him, so no matter who you are, where you're from, he that feareth him has this reverential awe of God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Wow. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That's what we do, preach peace. Remember that word, wholeness, Irene, right? Wholeness, well-being, prosperity, how? By Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. Verse 37, that word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, the same Holy Ghost you have, same power that's in you, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Wow. I, I wanted to read a number of scriptures here. Give me a moment. So this is what Jesus did. He went about healing and doing good. All that were oppressed of the devil. So this knowledge of God includes healing and setting people free. All right? Healing is a part of the knowledge of God. And liberty from bondage is a part of the knowledge of God. So we become like Jesus as we grab a hold of the knowledge of God. And we begin doing the things that Jesus did. All right? All right? Let's Let's go for it. Chapter 14, we're going to keep on reading. So we are kind of like those in Berea. We study the Scriptures daily, not because we're afraid of going to hell, not because we don't think we're going to heaven, because we want to know God more. We want to know Him better than we know anyone else. We want to hear His voice clearly. We want to fulfill His destiny for our lives, all right? So this is what they did. This is what Paul and Silas did. This is what the apostles did. They went out and preached the message that you're hearing. Some people loved it. Some people received it, were healed and set free. Some people got mad at them and tried to kill them. All right? That's not going to stop us. Verse 1, Acts 14.1. Acts 14.1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they uh, went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake with a great multitude... Both of the Jews and also the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. That's what we preach here, the word of his grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's unmerited favor, God's resurrection power and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Let's see here. I'm just trying to abbreviate this. I'm going to look through the rest of the verses. Well, let's go ahead. Verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So you see there's tension when this message is preached, right? What I'm sharing with you is not openly received by everybody. I'm talking about salvation by grace, all right, through faith. So some are receiving it. Some are getting mad. At verse 5, it says an assault is made, and they're trying to, they they, want to stone them, okay? Verse uh, 8, so though they were aware of it, let's see. Let's go to verse 7, and there they preached. They left. They went and preached the gospel in um, Lystra and Derbe, verse 8. A certain man at Lystra, impotent, oh, here we go, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. How how would you feel living a life like that? But here comes Paul preaching the word of his grace. The word of his grace heals our bodies. People will fight me on this one, but it does. Okay? Here's a great example of it, all right? And what verse did I stop in? For nine? All right. The same heard Paul speak. So this man who couldn't walk, uh, lame from his mother's womb, is positioned and he's listening to Paul preach the word of his grace. Isn't that what we just read, right? He's listening to this, all right? And obviously, it was relevant to his condition because he was glued what Paul was saying, right? The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. It's wonderful when that happens, when you see someone zeroed in on the promises of God. This man is listening to every word that Paul is saying. Why? Paul's preaching healing. And this man needs healing, and he's listening, okay? And Paul, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, so that man had to believe it, right? He had a part to play. It wasn't just up to Paul. Paul sees that this man's been listening. His eyes are fixed on him. His faith is growing inside of him. And Paul says with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. What are we doing? Growing in the knowledge of God. God has provided health for your whole body. I know people get, some get mad when I say this, that it's God's will to heal everybody. They get mad, but it's true. I've got to proclaim it. It's true. God has healing for your whole body. God has healing for your brain, for your emotions, for your your psychological makeup. He has healing for your whole person. It's the knowledge of God, right? We're just reading the Bible, right? This is the word of his grace, the word of his grace. Now, like I said, I've been in different kinds of churches, and some say, well, it's not God's will to heal everybody. And they say that because they see people not healed. Or maybe they have a loved one who wasn't healed or whatever. But if we use that same type of thinking with sin, if we say it's, God, it's not God's will to forgive everyone of sin because there's so much sin in the world, oh boy, that wouldn't make sense, would it? Yeah, there's a lot of sin in the world, but it's not God's will for anybody. Same thing with sickness. There's a lot of things in the world that are not God's will because he's not controlling everything. He gave control to man, man gave it over to Satan. But now, through Christ, we can take control of our lives, right? In our lives, Jesus is Lord, and Satan, its off, we're off limits to Satan now, right? So you can take back what was stolen from you through faith in Christ. Satan has nothing in you anymore. You belong to God. You've been taken out from under Satan's authority, out from under darkness, and you brought into the... Kingdom of God's beloved son. Amen. Amen. Wow, God is so good. I'll tell you what, he is taking us higher. He is taking us higher. So the knowledge of God, it comes by hearing the promises of God. I love reading through Acts, like what we just read. I like seeing... That this, this, the earth resists this knowledge, right? That the, the world resists this knowledge, but it just keeps on going. It keeps on growing, right? They couldn't stop the apostles, and they can't stop us. We're going to keep preaching it. And healing, deliverance came through the, the believers of Christ, right? Stephen, a man full of faith and power. They just Jesus shows up when we believe him, right? He shows up. Hallelujah. So God is doing this. He's taking us beyond the realm of the senses. We're not going to live like we used to live. We're not basing the decisions of our life on what we see, taste, touch, hear, and smell. We're not basing the decisions on a political party. We're basing it on Jesus, all right? We're basing it on the love of God, who he is and what he's done for us. All right. I think we're gonna have to wait till next week for this next one. Um, Because what what we're getting into is that this, this knowledge of God brings us into the glory of God, not in heaven, now. I mean, heaven's going to be more glorious than we can even imagine. But I'm talking about the glory of God showing up in your life now. All right? I'll read you one scripture, and then we'll close it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all... With unveiled face, there's nothing between us and God anymore. Beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now, who do you look at when you look in a mirror? Who do you see? Yourself. So, beholding as in a mirror, so where's the glory of God? Hey, it's in you. The glory of God is in you. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, the glory of God is now residing inside of you, and it's not going to leave you. We're being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So God is revealing more of Christ to us daily, and we love it, right? So we're going to be stronger tomorrow morning than we are now. There's going to be more glory in our lives manifesting, showing up in our lives Tuesday than on Monday. And Wednesday, watch out, right? We're going higher. And I say that because you have to keep your expectation engaged. Every day when you wake up, you say, God, thank you for taking me higher. Thank you, Lord, for more of your strength in my life. Thank you, God, that when I lay my head on this pillow tonight, I'm going to be stronger than I am now. Thank you. You're infusing me with more strength, more life, more glory. You are taking me higher 24-7. And I'm not going to put a lid on this thing. You can't limit this thing. God is limitless, and he wants to do limitless things in your life. Hallelujah. Isn't this good? We serve a limitless God. His love is unstoppable, and he wants to love you and do things in your life that are beyond what you've imagined. Are you going to let him? Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this time together. Lord, you're so good. Lord, we just just, uh, put all of our attention on you. We love people. We realize people don't have the answers. You do. We love uh, everybody, but we realize that you are our Savior. So, Lord, we come to you this morning to receive your love for us. Lord, we are so glad that you you are beyond what man can do, that there's no limit to your love and power. And, Lord, we drink deeply of your love and your power this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to Right now to touch everyone here, to minister life to everyone here. Let this be a new day, a new time, a new way of living, of living life based on who you are, not on our senses, not on the word of people, but on who you are and what you've done for us in Christ. Let this be a new day in every life here of going from glory to glory, more of you every moment in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. We drink deeply of your presence this morning. He's strengthening us right now. Just receive it. He's alive. He never sleeps. Come on, let him strengthen you right now. Let the Holy Spirit minister life to you right now. he is.